As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What is going on, everyone? Uh, Welcome back. To a brand new Hold That Podcast podcast. It's been a little minute. Don't think we've been with you in a few weeks here. Uh, I am your host, T-Bob Bear. I am joined by my co-host, The Athletics, Brody Miller. Brody, what's up, dude? Not too much, man. I'm... Uh... Spring ball's coming up, and think, you know, get, I'm getting vaccinated in a few weeks. Whoa. I mean, you know, yeah. Well, going the sketchy Mississippi route. Um, and, you know, things are starting to feel, you know, a little optimistic. How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, I actually got some family members that have gone the Lafayette route to get vaccinated, I guess. That, I don't know. I've just heard that people, like, aren't showing up. And so they're like, we have to. That's I, the thing. I, I felt guilty. Claire and I refused for weeks because we're like, oh, we're like bad people if we do that. Yeah. And then, like, I've talked to people been like, no, no, they're throwing out, like, hundreds a day. The people who just, like, don't show up. So it's like, okay, maybe I'm not being a baddie. You know, maybe it's just go do it. Yeah, we can't. I mean, yes, absolutely. So uh, that's great news, man. Um, yeah. So the reason why we haven't been around, there hasn't been really anything breaking for LSU. Even now, there's not. I do think there's a couple interesting conversations to be had as we sit here on the cusp of spring ball, fourth quarter starting up, which I always think about fourth quarter. And we can get into what exactly that is, but I think about it as like the practice laps for then the poll qualifying that is spring. And then camp is when the actual race like really begins in earnest. So this is uh, kind of the first steps, if you will. So we'll talk a bit about that. Um, Hush Blackwell report coming up. Talk a little quarterback, but he's got some mailbag questions. Uh, today will be a bit of a shorter episode, but uh, before we dive in, remember we're brought to you by The Athletic, where Brody works as an athletic podcast. Theathletic.com slash hold that podcast if you want to help us out while you sign up. Uh, look, it is so worth it, y'all, for like not uh, just LSU, even though that's where you catch all Brody's great, incredible writing, uh, but really any sports that you love, um, The Athletic's got it. It's 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 awesome. I use them for everything. Uh, I love their article on Zion. I love Will Guillory's piece on Zion and how he is going like so against the grain with this in the paint pounding style and just just rubbing the modern NBA the wrong way and dominating along the way. And I'm loving it. So go check out that out as well. All right, Brody. Um, let's start 
with the Hush Blackwell Report. For those that don't know, let's get it out of the way. Actually, you know, you're you're you're, you're more of a journalist. Why don't you take the basic uh, more right? I'm not a journalist at all. Why don't you take the 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 basic for those that maybe haven't heard of Hush Blackwell at all? Like, what the hell are they talking about? What is Hush Blackwell? Like, what's going on? Yeah, we don't need to spend a ton of time on this. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I obviously LSU has over the course of the fall and in the spring now have had several you know pretty damning reports about how not just about sexual assault issues are on campus, but also more importantly, how they are handling them and maybe not handling them. And LSU basically commissioned, uh, paid, I believe, $100,000 to Hutch Blackwell, a big law firm, to do an internal investigation of, you know, basically a, a re- file a report on how, you know, their processes and how they're handling these things and, and all that. And it's finally getting released to the public at the Board of Supervisors meeting at 10 a.m. Friday. I'll be there and I'll and we'll have a little media availability. So we'll be able to talk to some people involved and actually get, you know, some better answers. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating because it's going to be interesting to see how big is the scope Um you know, what kind of, you know, what are the underlying issues that yeah. that are leading to these problems? Because I, I think we're past the point where you can even pretend there aren't problems. It's it's what's leading to the problems, things like that. You know, there's been reports of Les Miles issues during his time, you know, harassing women. I, I'm curious to see how involved that is. And and also just, yeah, where does the, the blame? I think I'm, I don't know about you. I'm most interested to see, because it is political, so much of this at the end of the day, where does the blame end up getting thrown? You yeah. know, like- Virg Osbury was one of the main people, you know, who has looked really bad in all these reports, but he's still an employee at LSU. So I don't know if like, you know, I don't know if anything's going to happen to him and things like that. And a lot of people aren't there anymore. Les Miles isn't there anymore. Pre- former President F. King Alexander isn't there anymore. Athletic Director Joe Oliva isn't there anymore. So how much are they going to try to skate blame? Things yeah. like that. So, yeah, we don't have to go in depth on it, but just we want to put that on your radar that it is coming in the next few days. Yeah, and it, and it will probably dictate conversation going forward and be mentioned on the pod again. So uh, this is how I've handled this case the entire time. It obviously, obviously there's a problem. My great hope, even though cynically, you know, I, I don't know if this ever does happen. The hope would be that this report leads to like clear avenues. Of, OK, this is what was wrong. This is what can get fixed and that it leads to a better environment. Fingers crossed that that actually ends up happening. And like you said, it doesn't just turn into some crazy blame game where instead of accepting responsibility for things done wrong, you just try to pass off responsibility. But uh, we'll know more come Friday. Um, let's talk a little LSU football now that that's out the way, uh, as Brody don't look now, there's a little juice around this LSU program. You talk to people in the program. I mean, I know we talked about expectations, right? And, you know, even we have like high expectations. We talk about like a, uh, a 10 and two regular season, maybe nine and three. Um, but, but even since we had that conversation, Brody, it seems like, I mean, you talk to people around this program, everybody just has a little bit of a different energy around them, like a little less insecurity, a little more enthusiasm. It just feels like they feel good, like the people in that building feel good about the team they have. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's when I say this, you know, don't take this literally. It's not that I'm comparing it to 2019, but the the spring vibes are the same tone of 2019 mm-hmm. in that sense of you know, you know what you have. These It's guys who have been here before. It's, you know, because it's I, I mean, I've been the 2018, 2019, 2020 seasons and each one, there's a very specific vibe. Right. And it's like the 2020 spring, even though we didn't have it, that whole off season was a vibe of like, 
Who's going to step up? Who's a real player? Is any Are any of these guys good? All these things. Who's a leader? You know, like there was, it was a question-based spring. And then that 2019 spring, it was like, yeah, this guy's banged up, but, you know, like he knows what he's doing, you know, so we're not worried about him at spring, you know, stuff like that. So I, I genuinely kind of have a similar feel just in terms of like, it's about getting the most out of what you got. It's about, it's more about, you know, getting things cohesive. It's more about putting the right pieces in place because you know what the talent is. And I think that's the promising thing right now is that you're coming off that two game finish. Your best players are like sophomores and juniors, which is always a really good place to be. And uh, Mm. yeah, there's no reason this team shouldn't be very good. Of course, quarterback, which we'll get to is a question because of just like none of them have played more than three or four games, you know, linebacker safety, you have questions, but there's just a tone of like the pieces are in place. Let's get the most out of them. Yeah, and uh, and and as far as the new coaching hires go, obviously there it's it's really hard to do something at this point to screw things up. Uh, but but like right now, everything is about like player relationships, getting to know these players. It's you know it's something Durante Jones has talked about at length. Players first, scheme second. Jake Pete's talking about now it's not football time. Now is establishing the trust time with the players. Coach Joe came on the show um, just uh, th- this week and was basically discussing how he has taken, he's never done this in the Supreme Court, but he just took the leadership council out to eat. They had a great meal, all this other stuff. And he said his main goal is he wants to invest in these relationships and, and, and this year invest in them earlier or early and often and, and, and earlier than he ever has in his career. Now wait till it comes to like fall time and, and camp time. And he said he wants to invest in those relationships so that nothing can come between them. And this is something we talk about a lot, Brody. Uh, it doesn't seem like LSU was quite ready to hand to handle the success of the of the heights that they reached. But if there is one thing that Ogeron is a mastermind of, it is uh, handling adversity, right? And and looking, okay, what did I do wrong? How do I fix that? You see that in the hires that were made this year, as opposed to the hires made last year. And look, we talked about. I mean, I, the, the relationship between the staff and the team did not seem very positive last year it looked like there was a massive disconnect and this entire offseason has been like one giant campaign to try to uh fix that rift <laughs> it's true and of course a little you know just you know that cynical part of me a tiny bit of that is hey what's our biggest problem all right our pr push this year is going to be how we're together of course but I, I say that to say i don't think it's bs i think there's validity to it and you know we have this i think we all have this kind of you know, nature sometimes to like when something goes really wrong that we that we're like, well, that's, you know, they're screwed in that department. That's now something they're bad at. Right. When it's like they had a bad they had some culture issues last year. Ed O'Neill did not have a great relationship with a lot of that team last year, a lot of that staff last year. You know, that was a problem. But I think I think it's a little reactionary to make that like now that's his flaw, you know, and it's like I would I would say I think it's more along the lines of. When Ed Ogeron got hired, I mean, he was the player's coach was his whole self. You know, that was his thing. By the way, that was his thing through 2019. It was, you know, it was like he when he took that job and it's very similar to what he did when he took over at USC. His thing was that he was very good at getting the team on the same page, getting that culture intact through some tumultuous times. Uh, The staff was so much happier. And Dave Randa used to talk about that all the time about like there was just a happier vibe and things like that. That was his success. And then I think what happens is and this this part is a little, you know, just me, you know, thinking, but I think there's truth to it. I think what happens is, okay, then he made that a strength of that team. And through 2018 and 2019, 
relationships and all that was a strength. And then I think it's just human nature to be like, well, that part's handled. Yeah. You know, I'm going to worry about some other stuff. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you think that's a strength of yours, which it was. And then 2020 happens. And, and all of a sudden you didn't, maybe didn't put the same time into it because it was already a strength. And then those things kind of fall by the wayside. Now you just need to readdress them. So I don't think it's like, that's a thing at Ogeron's bad. I think it's something he just had to start putting his thought back into. And I think you're yeah. seeing it happen right now. And you hired two guys in Durante Jones and Jake Peets who both focus on that. They're part of a different generation of coach that very much thinks about relationships and culture. So I just think he's making the moves to at least that shouldn't be an issue this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, and, uh, and and as far as Pete's and Jones goes, the anecdotal evidence, which of course, um, it's always going to be positive at this time, but there does seem to be a sincerity when I talk to people about uh, how they are enjoying the new fit. And then there's all kind of little tidbits, like, you know, we talked to Eric Sitting Sr., and he was talking about how Durante Jones yep. uh, has <laughs> been calling him, and like no coach, not even Dave Aranda ever did that in the offseason, et cetera, et cetera. So... A lot of the, you know, the the kind of earnestness that we expected out of Pete's and Jones, given that, you know, they've been given this opportunity in their careers after grinding for a long time. Um, seems like early on, which makes sense, a lot of that earnestness is coming to the fore. No, I, I think that's true. And I think, you know, it's hmm, when you put a focus on something, you're usually going to achieve it. Right. And I think those are guys that were hired to focus on something like that. Yeah. Like. Those were the things. So I assume they're going to achieve it. Now the next, and I think they already are. I really do believe they are in a really good place right now as a program. And now the next step is spring balls coming, getting the most out of your scheme, getting the most out of your players and most, and they have the talent to be really good, which I think sets us up into our next topic, unless you have something else you want to get to, which is is spring ball, which is, you know, you are now at a time where you have an LSU roster that is really talented they're number two in the sec in returning production like number 21 i think nationally which is really really good and you have a team that i always i keep making this comp but it's like the 2020 this is a roster full of guys that have been through the shit guys who have been through tough times they don't take things for granted they don't think things are given to them like they might have last year because they've been through some things so i think uh You have really talented skilled players. You have your entire offensive and defensive line back. And there's really only three, four, maybe position battles going on, which is kind of the dream for a coach. Yeah. Uh, I think I read the other day, it might have been your tweet, actually, Brody. Uh, they have 33 players who have started games in this year's spring. I haven't spring. seen that. Jeez. Uh, yeah. 33, 33 players. Isn't that absurd? Considering uh, all, and that's inclu- like, and that's ca- subtracting the guy. Like, that's after guys who like opted out or like your Eric yeah. Gilbert's who left. That's crazy. That's yeah. actually pretty yeah. wild. So maybe fact check me there, but I did read it on Twitter no, I, from a journalist, I, I, from I, a journalist. I, I can't remember which one, uh, but it, yeah. It, and, and so I, all of these elements are coming together to lead all that positivity that we're talking about. So spring ball, I think we're what, like two weeks away now. Yeah, um, I think exactly. Fourth quarter uh, just started up yesterday. I know the coaches are very excited about that. Talking to Tommy Moffat. He's all hyped. He talked about how Durante Jones, uh, 
you know, after they went over there, because the coaches run the drills in that. It's one of the only times you actually spend with your coaches in the offseason. And he talked about how Deronte Jones has never happened before. How he re like so Moffitt tells him all what to do. Deronte Jones on their own time brought all the coaches back into the indoor to like keep practicing, run through some stuff. So again, you know, a lot of genuine earnestness there. Um, so fourth quarter starting now. That is this is the first steps of this 2021 team. That the fourth quarter is a kind of a mat drill program. Used to be at like 5 a.m. Now they do it in the afternoon. Uh, Coach was saying that, look, he called Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll said, do you ever play a game at 5 a.m.? He said, no. He's like, all right, well, you know, then why are you doing this at 5 a.m.? Uh, so they moved to the afternoon, and it, what it is, it's, it's, it's a bunch of different stations where you're doing different mat drills, bag drills, ladders, sprints, L drills, cone drills, tire flips, hammer swings, like all this different type of stuff, and it is made to exhaust you physically, but it's actually made to really test you mentally. Because throughout all of these drills, there is a correct way for it to be done. If you do not do it correctly, if you make one mistake on the day during the entire workout, you uh, do not get a white shirt for the next day. If you do it perfectly, you get a white shirt. Otherwise, you remain in the gray. So it's a very like visceral, very military way of showing who is excelling, who is not, and giving you something to aspire to. It just like it innately creates that competitive juice. And then to pass the program, you have to get X amount of white shirts by uh, the end of it. So I love fourth quarter. I, I I do believe that this is where your leaders start to really emerge. And why I believe this is interesting, Brody, is that one of the guys that I've been hearing very good things about pre-fourth quarter, during the first day of fourth quarter, and even Coach O coming on the show, being way more enthusiastic than he ever has been publicly in the past, uh, it seems like Miles Brennan has a lot of juice behind him right now, which is which is really important to hear right now. One because obviously you know he missed what eight eight games of the season, seven games of the season. I think until about this week, like it had been really murky about like is he healthy? Is he good to go? All those things like they were just kind of keeping things pretty under wraps with his health, and then yeah, all of a sudden here. I know, Jaron, you know, you always have to take what the head coach says with a slight grain of salt sometimes. But this, but like you said, he doesn't have to do that right now because, if anything, he's selling there's a quarterback competition. He's selling that, yeah. like, we want everyone to be competing. Max Johnson, TJ Finley, Garrett Nussmeyer, all that. So, for him, I think it's actually encouraging to hear that everyone is so high on him, that teammates are genuinely behind him right now, which I don't think was true of, say, freshman or sophomore Miles Brennan, you know, things we used to hear back then. And yeah, I've heard he's throwing the ball. He's moving well. You know, he's competing and everything at the fourth quarter stuff that I've heard of. And yeah, I don't know where he's at literally with trainers or like if he'd be able to like play in a legitimate, you know, game or anything right now. But that stuff's really promising because now, you know, he can actually really progress this spring, which he needs. Of course he needs. He's two and a, three games under his belt. Yeah. Uh, he's coming off an injury. So he, he really needs to be able to do that right now. Yeah, and and, uh, and and just physically, um, because whatever, this is always what we talk about. I don't care about his weight. Just physically, it's not just weight. He looks really good right now. He looks like <laughs> wait, 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 wait. very solid. Yes. Wait, so we have to talk about the picture. Um, I mean, and I, I know you told me off air about the picture of him looking good in the fourth quarter, but the picture that took over social media a few yeah. days ago yeah. um, was the picture of him at the leaders the leadership council dinner where, I mean, Twitter got a little, you know, rowdy because they were like, he's looking a little fat. Okay, I'm okay, so, okay, okay, okay. I, I'm oh, yeah, shocked sorry. you didn't lead with this. Okay, so, well, because, like, I feel bad. It's going to be so weird to have your 
body just goes so much publicly, right? <laughs> it's so kind of absurd because, like, it's not really, it doesn't really mean that much, it in doesn't. my opinion. Just uh, yeah. But no, well, and, and and then so again, if if you want to combat that, look at the picture that he tweeted today, uh, Brody. Maybe I can put it in the chat here. Um, I'm pulling uh, it up, Norris. Okay, it's on his Twitter. Uh, because obviously the dude's pretty spell right now, but uh, the, 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 the leadership council pistol brings up something that I do want to talk about because I'm passionate about. It, and that is when you were on the edge of an iPhone picture, you get stretched. Ooh. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the technology is or why that is the case. iPhone truther. Um, but when you are on the edge of a group picture on iPhone, when you're near the borders, you get stretched. It just and 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 this is not my insecurities coming through. Um, I've had many other people with similar experiences. Also in that picture, he's wearing a very loose fitting polo. When is a loose fitting polo ever made anyone never look good? a good look? It's yeah. a horrible look. It's and a lot of times when you are a bit chubbier, it's what you wear to kind of cover up. So the combination True, of loose fitting polo with being on the bottom corner, bottom right corner of that iPhone picture, I think is what led it was an angle. It was a bit of a bad angle. It was a bit of a bad angle. <laughs> so I reached out to like two or three teammates just to like uh, kind of jokingly, and they were like, "Listen, man, I think it's a bad angle. I think I think I think it's just a weird picture." And and it, not to actually take this seriously because I just brought it up as a joke, but I will point out like Miles Brennan has su had such a like problem gaining weight that like we have probably all written thousands upon thousands of words about how he burns like in in an insane rate of calories a day that it's so hard for him to gain weight that he's just like, so it's like, I don't think that miles Brennan at this point in his life even has the ability to like accidentally get, get a little fat. chubby. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that's what's happening. I just had to bring it up for, for humor's sake, but yeah, I saw, well, no, I'm glad you did because the, the, the iPhone, I'm telling you, you have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. be on the lookout for this. And, and if you're taking group photos, you know, be secure in yourself. And just know if you're on the edge of the picture, just know what you're getting into and don't overly beat yourself up when you see that group photo. So, you know what? I'm actually, this is motivation for me. I'm going to, I'm going to start going out of my way to get that spot. Cause I'm going to help my teammates out. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to be a team player. I'm securing myself. You know, I'm, yes. I'm off the market. I'm not trying to impress anybody. Yes. I'm going to take that spot. And if I look good, I'm going to also draw more attention. Like, see, I'm in a tough spot and I still look good. Hey. And that's, yeah. That's just good teammates. That's the alignment yeah, in you people. coming out, supporting your, uh, laying yourself on the Dude, line I, for your friends. I was the Nick Collison in a pickup basketball, man. I was setting screens like it's nobody's business. Wow. You need, look, the hustle guy is invaluable for pickup basketball. There's no analytic for that. Uh, he's, he's an incredible teammate. Um, so, okay. And you, you saw the Twitter picture from today though. Dude's yes, looking pretty solid. Like good. Looking very good. Yeah. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, all right, so I, I guess all that is to say that I actually uh, we we've been saying we think that Miles wins a starting job. I feel more confident in that take than ever right now. I, like I said, this is the practice laps for qualifying. His car is running really fast. He's looking like he's going to be in a great great uh, position to grab that pole position.
our analogy game is on fire today. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think what you and you and I both said on your show on you know your show with Hester this week or last week was, you know, I mean, Ed O'Jean's going to make this a competition. He's part of the Pete Carroll tree, and Pete Carroll literally wrote a book about the power of competition and like how you want it to be a battle every week. And that's how anyone gets better. So yeah, I think it's going to be a competition. They want Max Johnson being involved. They want TJ Finley feeling involved. You know, all those things. I don't think it's going to be like handed to Brennan, but I barring a health problem would be relatively surprised if miles Brandon was not the starter. Yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like you said, it's not about not having competition. It's just that I think that, you know, miles is way older and all these other elements that just give you a huge advantage over uh, some of your younger counterparts. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, Brody, do you have a, uh, maybe a mailbag question or two that you want to get into <laughs> before we go? Yeah, we got a few we can get through real quick. I mean, we already talked about the quarterback competition. I think the other one, it's not even like a question that we need to answer. I just think it's an, it, it made me think. And it was talking about, hey, can you talk a little bit about the development of the sophomore players, you know, like the 2020 class and, you know, you know, which guys could really, you know, jump up and all that. And then I led to me starting to talk to some people around the program. And it's, it's going to lead to an interesting thing, which, by the way, is a good thing for the program as long as everyone stays happy, is there's not really spots for open this offseason there isn't i mean linebackers open safeties open tight ends open right the rest kind of i mean yeah maybe like the third receiver spot but a lot of it kind of is what it is which is going to be really intriguing because they i mean that 2020 class i think has a chance to be as good as like that 2017 class you know it looks like one of their top classes and yeah you have your studs that are going to be starters anyway your bjo jelari's your elias rix's your kashan booties all that but i don't know if like there's gonna like for example, Josh White, somebody who gets named a lot. Trey Bradford, somebody who gets named a lot. There's guys who are really, you know, kicking ass right now. But I don't know if they're going to, like, kick ass enough to, like, become household names this fall. And that's just a really interesting place for the program, and it's a good thing that you guys are developing, but they're not necessarily, like, rushed into things. And that by the time they're, you know, you're going to have a junior class in two years or something that's that's really deep in experience. But it's just kind of interesting that, you know, I, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird spot that you want to be where – there's not spots for grabs. And I wonder how, like, I wonder what the effects of that will be long-term. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is not, like you said, a lot of development taking place in the dark. It's going to be a lot of tests of these cats patients. I guess yep. it's one of the un, untalked about elements of everybody coming back on that offensive line is you had a lot of guys who kind of probably figured they were in line for playing time in line Great to point. start. And all of a sudden they've got to wait a whole nother calendar year. And that, and, and that could be brutal, but you know, also, if, if you're in that position, you have to take the attitude, well, I'm going to go earn playing time, right? Like, if you are a right guard on this team, there is playing time to be won, even though you return sure. everyone. So go for it. Uh, center. I mean, anybody, right? Like, like, the competition thing holds true. It's just that I don't know that you got better than your five that you have right now, barring some big development in the shadows. All right, what's your uh, next mailbox question? Well, I, I think this one is actually interesting, and I, I didn't bring this one up to you before we started, but I think you, someone asked basically, do you see the Tigers utilizing less the tight end less this season, You know, perhaps going with another receiver on the field? How does LSU feel about its tight end depth? And that is a really interesting topic because Jake Peets actually was asked something about, you know, I think he was asked about using multiple running backs or something like that, but like it was more a question about personnel. And he went out of his way to say, He's like, listen, it's and by the way, how Joe Brady thought too. I think it's how. To be fair, I think it's how Steve Ensminger thinks too. But about it's about just getting the five best guys, skill guys on the field. That's yes. what it's about. So if you are loaded at tight end, go two to three tight end sets, man. If you're loaded at running back and those are the better players, get running backs on the slot and stuff too. 
And yeah, tight end's a weird spot right now. I think they have guys they kind of like, but there's no certainty. You know, they 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 like Cole Taylor a lot, of course, and I think he's the definition of somebody in that sophomore class that can actually really develop and grow and add to his frame. But my answer to that question is, I I think it's fair to assume there will be a little less tight end use. I think it's fair to say you'll see more four receiver, one one tight end, um, one running back. I don't think that's crazy. What do you think? No, I mean I think you're spot on with the receiver talent. It would make too much sense to try to uh, get all those guys on the field. Running back could maybe be the interesting wild card here. Yep. Um, you got if four that guys, five guys you like. Yeah, exactly. So if that running back room finally, you know, if they start to kind of live up to the expectation that we have and we set a high bar on them because we think they're very talented if they start to fulfill that potential then yeah maybe you get some interesting three receiver two back sets but yeah pete's answered correctly when he said you know let your per our personnel will dictate that and if you're cole taylor look it's it's yeah we'll see you know i, I don't want to sit here some people have like really fallen in love with cole taylor yep um like i do love his frame i i, I love his willingness to put his head in there when he was like really small last year and getting knocked around <laughs> uh and i love the fact that it was his shoe that got thrown it's a famous shoe but yeah. uh but yeah we'll, we'll we'll see he he'll have the opportunity to earn his playing time yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, uh, and just to add to the, you just reminded me because you're running back, to add to like the sophomores to watch thing. I think the other name, and I said on your show the other day that I think is getting buzz right now is Trey Bradford. I mean, Trey Bradford, I remember last fall on your, because, you know, he went on Ed O'Jongos on your show every week. And, and, you know, even when like Trey Bradford was clearly the fourth dude, you know, he, he kept being like, we really like Trey Bradford. He always kind of yeah. said that. And, and, you know, maybe that goes with Emery and Davis Price never quite winning trust. And Bradford's a guy who does everything the right way. I don't know the answer, to be clear. But Bradford's a guy who actually kind of, you know, has a lot of upside. It's a really good burst. And this part, I might be, this might be a little naive. But, like, he almost feels like if he puts it together, it might be the most, like, complete back in a way. You know, where, like, Emery, I mean, we know his big playability is just off the charts. But he is a little perimeter based of a runner right and tdp is the kind of the opposite and like bradford might be a little more of that complete receiver if he can get that receiving part down and i've heard he's having a really good fourth quarter and you know i just i just wonder if like he's the guy if you're if you're throwing out there like who might surprisingly win a job i just wonder if trey bradford carves a bigger role and you know they like him because he had multiple drops last year and they kept giving him opportunities even that big touchdown he caught against Ole miss was a little sketchy but <laughs> But, but kind like, of fell into the end zone if I remember. Yeah. Like it wasn't like athletic. <laughs> but like, but so what that tells me though is he must really actually be good at that. Like really exactly. good at that. And he's just just kind of screwed it up during the game. But you know what? Yeah, that's why you get experience early on, and then you, you kind of get past that and move on. So Trey Bradford, interesting name to watch out of the running back room. All right, Brody. Um, anything else before we go here? There's nothing, nothing I need to hit. Anything for you? Um, no, uh, this is very fun. I've missed you. You, I, I want to hear your report on Valheim. I don't have a PC, so I only got to play it for a weekend at my friend's house. I fell in love with it. It's like Viking Minecraft, kind of. I would, that might love be my weekend project. Hear, yes, I would love to hear what you, uh, have to say. And, uh, oh, I'll throw a quick plug. I uh, just published a story on Mike Jones Jr., the Clemson transfer today. Ooh. Um, please go check that out at theathletic.com and, yeah, that's all I got. Okay, I can't wait to read it. Again, theathletic.com slash hold that podcast. If you want to sign up deal. All right, uh, we'll be back maybe next week. Uh, we'll see ah. kind of what the news dictates. There's a good chance, and we'll definitely get in like a spring preview as well where we make some predictions. So uh, we'll see you next time on the Hold That Podcast podcast.